And, you know, in my, I think probably 40, 40 years into my life, I learned sometimes you like, like it's a lot better when you let people just do their jobs and you stop trying to do it for them. Welcome back to Riding the Big Wheel, your go-to podcast to inspire you on your own personal and professional journey of life. I'm Michelle Seeger, your host, and on today's podcast, we are continuing our conversation with Jeff Schmidt, CEO of ECI. Jeff is a leading edge technology innovator, thought leader, evangelist, and serial entrepreneur. We are delving into very interesting topics and relevant things to your life today, like the fourth industrial revolution, workplace transformation, and how two CEOs manage under one household. So join us for part two of the conversation, and we hope you enjoy. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting that we were talking about, and you just touched upon it, is how you're leveraging AI in business to help with ideal customer profiles, to help with understanding where to focus. We are continuously being asked, right? And part of the work that we do is segmentation of of your client and looking at, you know, how you go to market and what that looks like. And Jeff, you know this, I mean, there's like exorbitant amount of information and lists that companies buy, right? To understand what the opportunity is out there all of them highly imperfect. And I just see these incredible possibilities with what's being built with AI to provide something that's a bit more prescriptive. You know, all of the, um, like when we would go out and buy traditional data sources, and I won't name them because I don't want to ding companies, but traditional data sources, they all have their flaws. And if you can say, here's the type, the criteria that I really want to know, right? And start to leverage that. So I'll think about, um, I sell supplies into hospitals, let's say, and maybe number of beds would be one of my criteria, maybe the number of OR rooms or whatever that might look like. Very difficult to get that, very expensive today. I think about the possibilities of leveraging an AI tool to really help for companies, um, curate a list that's very specific to the products and services that they sell and things they sell to solve problems for their clients. So you still have to pull the data together, right? That's, that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. But if you think about going from thesis to theory, one, I can start with my own data. Mm -hmm. So if I have good data in my sales CRM, I can go pull that data and say, where are we most successful? What's the tenure people? What's the traditional? How often do I sell to them? Depending on what the product set is. So if it's as a service or it's a, it's a, I buy a product and over three to five years, I replace that product. Um, if you're a medical supply company, but you can start to run data models off of it and say, I want to understand my data first. The ability to be able to quickly today, it requires somebody in Excel to go grab the data. They go, got to create the data model and they're maybe going to use Power BI or, you know, any other data tool. And I'm going to start working through the data and it requires connectors, other things to that data. The data has to be perfect in what you're doing. Imagine if you just said, I just want the Salesforce data and an API connected to it. I'm going to do a connection. It can be imperfect but I still need data for total number of beds. I need to know 
the hospital. I need to know closes. I need to know losses. I need to know who my competitors are. And then here's, and then here's all the ones, here's where I want to go after. But now you create these data sets that you're connected to. And now you just start asking questions to it, right? Now I can have a human conversation. And now you're thinking is, okay, this is easier than me trying to go across a hundred people, ask a hundred salespeople. I just have to curate the real conversation I want to have. It's amazing. So, so rather than maybe a month or two months or three months of trying to get into the data, you're whatever, however you decide you want to create the special recipe for your organization and how you help companies is, is here's the five pieces of data that we need. And then we're going to start asking it questions. And then we're going to come back and validate it with the humans inside the business. Here's what we learned from the data. Here's the information we're getting. Okay, now I'm going to run a couple other data models on this. I'm going to start to ask questions now because this is going to give me the intellectual capital of every salesperson that has sold and your client base that you have today. And then I'm going to deem as your total addressable market, your service addressable market, and the propensity to win, right? Now I can I can create a, a sales desk, sales development role inside the organization. What campaigns are most interesting? What's going on in the marketplace today, right? So now I can go back to it and say, yeah. hey, what's what's going on in medical hospitals today that would actually make them want to go change this? Are there any new laws that are happening around this? Well, I have to be connected to some database that says, here's the legal laws that are happening inside healthcare. So maybe I subscribe to you know, healthlaw.com or whatever. I'm making it up. Maybe there's yeah. a healthlaw.com. Uh, <laughs> But I can connect to it and start asking questions, or I can have that feed coming in. And it's like, hey, there's a new law. There's something happening, and by state because healthcare is really interesting, right? It's not in the U.S. It's 50 states have potentially 50 different rule sets that they're accommodating. So that ability to be able to translate that by state and what the and what's actually motivating people to do certain things, right? So, so now you can curate that and you also have the ability to modify based on what it is, but you have your basic ingredients that you're going to use over and over again. Now you can apply that to almost any industry and the questions, the questions don't necessarily change, but the go to market may, right? Um, how you, how the marketing team goes through, but now I can truly use a marketing process and Dan that that I can tell if it's working or not working because I've created, I've created this recipe you know, it's two cups of clients, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a court of nurturing, right. And it's, um, and it's a salesperson, you know, it's, it's, it's two ounces of salesperson goodness to get to these results. Right. And we should win at 40% based on everything that we have here. So therefore I have a mathematical equation. Now I can go test that in marketplace. What can I do to tune it to get to 60%? Where do we waste time on sales? Cause cost of sales is a big deal. Where am I? And it's not the salesperson. It's it's all the resources that have to support them in an RFP, et cetera, et cetera. Even for us, we're now doing RFPs. With every RFP, there's a database now. Here's the responses to all the things that we've done for these. So, and I can go ask Ella is, hey, the client wants to know how we handle such and such. Boom, here's our response for this. Okay, cut and paste that, drop that into the RFP. So now an RFP will take two hours to go put together across a hundred questions of being able to go through, or I can set, I can take the RFP and feed it in directly and say, give me, give me a curated response for all the questions that are here based on what our FAQs are and our knowledge base. And then a human will go through and say, I am going to customize some of this stuff and go through, but I have a, I have a 90% outcome for our best responses. 
So now that knowledge base just keeps getting updated and updated and updated over and over again for whatever those are. Hey, do you have offices in Australia? You know, and you know, the 2010 one says no, the 2023 one says, oh yeah, we do. Right. And here's what we have in market. Here's the people. Here's I don't have to go ask people, hey, how many people are in Australia? Right. So there's these very interesting pieces that come into play in this, right? So for for sales and and really talking about where we're heading to, yeah. you know, you can again, I can turn on a dime. I can ask questions as long as I'm feeding it in. Is in the world I live in today is we no longer live in Excel spreadsheets. We never we no longer live in Power BI. I'm I'm just asking, I'm asking, I'm asking the large language application the questions that I'm looking for. And then I can ask it to curate the outcome. I don't have to be an Excel wizard anymore. I don't know how to do, I don't have to know how to do Power BI anymore. I don't have to know how to do, give me the summary of everything that's closed over a million dollars over the last three years. Tell me the difference between 21, 22, and 23 and what we sold inside the market. Tell me how many of those were actually replacing a prior product with a newer product. Here's the three products that were actually new products we bought in the market that retired old products that we had before. So in, in instantaneous process right now, I have that. Can you create a pie chart for me that actually shows that? Yes, I can. Right. So we're, we're getting into really is this visual, this visual but verbal world where I'm asking the knowledge out of this system to tell me the information again i still have to validate the curation that's coming to me like that doesn't look right right how did i get how was that 50 million in this year but i'm only at 30 million this year like that doesn't make any sense okay i need to go look at the data show me the data that you're pulling together here right so so i don't know it's 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 exciting um and it's a little scary at times because it's like okay i have to be on my toes a little bit more but mm -hmm. i'm i'm replacing busy work with brain work and allows the I, I brain to really focus on that. It's really interesting. So I wanted to just for a minute for our listeners, just riff for a minute on this. So when I think about how I'm leveraging now, I'm not as sophisticated as you are. I'm using ChatGPT. I'll just reveal that. I do want you to talk a little bit about Ella for those who don't know who she is. Um, but I think about just how I'm leveraging it at work. So one, I, we do, um, we have a business intelligence person who goes out when I'm interviewing people for the podcast who we're doing an RFP, whatever that looks like. Uh, and he would go, he goes out and researches, you know, companies and their background and what's happening. Well, by leveraging AI, he can provide to us just infinitely more information in a much consolidated period of time. Right. So what would take him hours takes virtually minutes. And I mean, virtually, it's amazing. Okay, that's one thing. A second thing is we are hiring and we tend to get a lot of resumes. And, you know, I've got a chief of staff um, who goes through each one of them painstakingly and kind of helps me, you know, reads through and kind of helps me uh, prioritize, stank, uh, just stack rank them and determine, you know, who's going to go ahead for me to look at which resumes. Well, you can just put some criteria into AI, right into that tool, and it stack ranks them, gives you the reason why, bullet points five, you know, bullets of why, um, automatic disqualifiers are considered and you don't even see those in front of you. And it literally took 
this person, you know, like 20 minutes for what would have taken of really a lot of time because we do get a lot of resumes. We get a lot of applicants. And I can just go in and look at the ones that are stack ranked starting at the top, a quick link over to the resume, and it's it's been simplified. You know, those are just a couple of things. I mean, I also have leveraged it. I will take an article of mine and I'll say, okay, I want a quick refresh. Refresh, right. but then I still own the article and I go in and make you know, additional edits to it. So I want to get some current information added to maybe to some thinking that I've had. Um, I go out and I'll ask questions and, you know, things that would have taken me where I Google and research, and then I have to go to each one of those websites. It's, it's providing those responses to me with the references. So anyway, it's just saving a lot of time. What about you? So I, I think it's interesting, right, is you can use it for, for everything. So um, I had a non-technical person at my house over Thanksgiving um, who came and was my sister's boyfriend who came and actually cooked for us, which was lucky us. Oh, um, nice. Very nice. So, so Dylan watches us. Thank you for cooking for us. And so he was asking, doesn't it make it impersonal when you start using chat GPT for things? So a message, an email, whatever you may be doing. And I said, well, let's take it into your world. And I grabbed my I grabbed my phone and I went into ChatGPT, OpenAI, and I just said, um, write an email message to Dylan that says, I really appreciate all the time and effort he put into cooking the turkeys. I really loved it. They were so juicy and wonderful. The stuffing was amazing. I appreciated how much you interacted with our family. They really loved you. And I went through and I gave it and, I, and then I hit the button and said, generate the message. And I said, here, take a look at it. So this is, I, I said, it's my words. It yeah. just this is putting the wrapper and making it more eloquent. And I can go from very casual to very, to, to very professional and whatever that may be. And he says, this is really interesting because it's your voice. And I said, it is my voice, right? As you can't generate this. I'm not just saying write a message to Dylan about turkeys. And right. here you go. So it is in my voice, but I say probably an hour if I was going to have to write that email on my own. So and, I said, so, and, I, and I said, so imagine yourself on the way home from somebody who you've done this for, because he does personal cooking for, for people at their events mm. and, and wineries and other places. I said, you're driving home and you're like, you got an hour in the car. So chat GPT is like, hey, write a letter to write an email for so-and-so. And here's the things I want to talk about. What's fresh in my mind. And I'm, and I'm, I'm leveraging the hour, but I'm no longer type. I'm not trying to type while I'm driving. I'm just having a conversation. And then take that email and send it to me. And when you get home, you spend five minutes curating the email and you send it off. He's like, wow, I didn't think about it that way. And so I think in the way that we work, right, I mentioned how we're utilizing um, AI and from a sales perspective, from an internal perspective with RFPs um, to, again, curating a response during what would be dead time. Um, in an email or for something I'm trying to go do that just helps fill the white space yeah. of where we're heading to, right? Um, we're going to have an event where a whole bunch of people are going to come here. We're going to have a really great time. We're going to be introducing ECI's large language application, which is Ella for short, right? And here's, and here's what we're going to talk about. Here's the different pieces. Um, here's a little bit about Rich and his background and how he got in, in the innovation that was put into this. And hit a button and it curates the, hey, here's your invite to the people who are going to come into this. And then, hey, can you give me any suggestions that would make this more attractive? 
right? Now I can start to ask it to do some, oh, add in this. Oh, add in that. I forgot about that as I'm going through. And so, you know, it is interactive, right? Which is really fun as well. When you start saying, oh, I forgot about this. What about this? And so again, something that maybe I would pay somebody else to go do to take my words and put them into something. I now can run through this and get to, I can get to in 15 minutes, again, what would have taken me maybe one, two hours to go through. And it's still the voice that I want. It's still my voice. It's my ideas. It's my thoughts wrapped in this pretty, and Jen always says, is I can tell when you send me something that's written by AI, because it has commas and all the right, the punctuations, right? And so now I'm like, I'm like, hey, AI, can you just, can you, can you smatter some, some commas around it? <laughs> so it looks like it's my writing, right? So there, there's some fun things that you can do with it, right? But, it's but, funny. It's, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, again, right, is, is, is it making me less of a writer? Is it making me less thoughtful now? Does it help increase the productivity in my day? Absolutely. Yeah. I would concur with you there. So I think this is a great point to talk or a great time to talk about the modern workplace. Um, we already know pre-COVID, you know, there were, for us, um, we've, we've always operated kind of hybrid, but since COVID, boy, the whole debate is whether we're working in an office or not. I feel like so much time, effort, and energy is spent on that. And it's just unbelievable. Um, I would love to talk to you about you know, what your vision is of the modern workplace. And I'm thinking about traditional office environments, you know, it could be even in manufacturing environments, um, but where, you know, people would be going in and working on that eight to five, like we were discussing earlier today. It's a big place where your company plays. And I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective. So it's interesting because we're on a, we're on a Zoom call. Yeah. And, yeah. and Zoom had a back to office uh, mandate in their company, right? And they came up with geography-based back to office and how and how much time you should spend there. So there are some pieces to this that we really have to think about, right? As again, yeah. you know, and we have a return to office in in our company as well. And so there's there's I, there's you can't be rigid. Maybe that's the best way to say it, right? If you're rigid in the world that we live in today, you're going to lose workforce that can be really productive. There is work effort and things that happen in person that are dramatically game changing and and much faster when you're sitting together. Now we have some rules that we've also enacted uh, through some people that we brought into the company who are like phones down, phones down, eyes on screen, cameras on, and and so we want you engaged in the conversation that we're having so it can be shorter. Um, we do 20 minute meetings, not 30 minute meetings. We don't do hour long meetings. We do typically 45 minute meetings. Here's the agenda. Here's what we're going to talk about. Um, we've got to figure out how to eliminate the, because I think one of the things during COVID is we have these back to back, back to back, back to back, video to video to video that are highly unproductive over time. And we will use the hour that's that's given to somebody versus here's the agenda okay here's where we're going to go here's what we're going to do let's be done with the call and let's go get the actions done and so it's a little bit like a replaced email right email used to make us feel productive now teams calls or zoom calls make us feel productive my goal would be is is there is there is just there is just a an important in again my opinion I'm, and i'm not a psychiatrist um so so, and I'm, and I'm by no means a great social, social, what do we say, social worker type person of, of understanding <laughs> human behaviors. But I can tell you in my experience when we're together as a team, um, the 
the attitudes, the collaboration, you can see the culture that's in the company just really come out. And, you know, I think you encourage people to come back versus force them to come back. You find ways to make being back in an office important. I mean, being in front of clients is is ultimately important. The people who are getting in front of clients are winning deals. So again, you know, from a sales globe perspective, you know, our, our in-person events where we're bringing people in and exclusive events where people are sitting inside a room together, the interaction between company to company that would never happen on a video is at a completely mm-hmm. different level. And so I, like, I think it's important, right? Is I think it's important. It just, it, it just generates a different type of friendship relationship. Um, in fact, we're working on even our, our global through our global employees is getting them to actually go into different markets as well. So that you're getting like, Hey, I use this team on a regular basis. I want to go meet them. Right. I want to get face to face with them. I want to go shake hands. I want to break bread with them. And again, that establishes a relationship that you're just, even on a video is not going to be the same as when I'm in market and we get to have that exchange. We, we balance the business side against the, the work side, against the personal side. And I think it helps. Um, so our, our world is always going to have, I mean, we, the genie's out of the bottle yeah. on this one. And so I think we're, I think we're, we're going to be, we're stuck with this. Right. And we did. And, and I think in fairness to the people who want to work remote, we asked them to be remote, right? We, we asked them to keep companies propped up. We asked them to, to change their home into an office. And one of my employees at our team members better said at my prior company said, you know, I knew I was going to have to work to live. I didn't think I was going to have to live where I work. Huh. Um, and and so and and those are the people who are like, please open the office back up because <laughs> I don't I don't want to I don't want to work in my living room anymore. I don't want my house to be my workplace. I want a separation in what I have. And so, like I said, there's there's a balance that's in there. That, um, but we have to remember as leaders also is what we ask the people to do overnight to make work to make happen in a world that we shut off access to, to everywhere except the internet and a computer. And we were grateful when people did it then. And I think we have to remember to be grateful for the people who, you know, are struggling with how to come back to work and finding ways to, to understand, be humans about that as well and work with them. Um, But Again, there are jobs that require people to be in office, to be together that we know are important. And we have to balance that out, right? We you know, help people through the hurdle of, of things that change and give them time to readapt and get back. My experience, again, is as those people are coming back into the office, they're like, gosh, I really miss this. Like, that's the most, the number one comment is, I miss this. You know, mm-hmm. I miss pizza at lunch. I miss, you know, I miss foosball after five o'clock or miss foosball at lunchtime. I miss seeing Mary and coming into the office. You know, I walk into the office in New York. I'm, my my line now is, "Who are we?" And, <laughs> and, I, I, and I get and I get a loud ECI coming back, and people laugh. And when I come through, they're going, "Are you going to say who are we?" I'm like, "Do I have to say it every time I walk down the hallway now?" But <laughs> but but it, it it creates again creating a fun environment where people can collaborate and work together. But you know, certainly being in the office, you know. You need to pick up a child from 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 school. You got to take, you know, your dog is your your pet is sick or your pet needs you. Like there's, we can accommodate those things just like people accommodated us. Mm-hmm. As long as we understand, it's like, hey, these are temporary situations or these are requests. But the average is where we want you to be is at least three days a week, 
working together with clients in front of clients doing doing the things that change you know the trajectory of how people see us and how you see them yeah i think that was well said too um i i think it'll end up um i my ideal state my belief in this whole thing would be that we'd end up with a good hybrid world it was sad for me to see how companies started you know um putting a line in the sand as well as employees. And I thought, are we going to be able to work this out? But I think we will be able to work this out. Look, the employees have a choice, right? That's probably the the biggest piece, right? And and there are companies who have just said, hey, look, we're going to start large companies who said, we're going to go back to work. And people are like, well, people are going to quit. They started coming back to work. And they said, okay, now we're going to go back to work full-time, five days a week, from three days a week to five days a week. And people Mm -hmm. said, people are going to quit. And the reality is people came back to work and they thought, this wasn't that bad beforehand, right? And 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 again, is is if you can get the productivity in, right? Right. There are jobs where, you know, my salespeople being in the office, I'd really rather be in front of clients. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. My my senior engineers who are out with clients, I want them in front of clients, not necessarily in the office. When they have free time, come back in and educate, help people around the office go through things. But we're not as important internally as our clients are to us externally. Yeah. Our people are important to us and that their happiness and their well-being is 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 important. Let's find ways to blend that together. And you know, to your comment is as long as we know people are being responsible to responsible and responsive then we can find the middle grounds, you know, and, and like I said, there's, we, we have places where our global service centers that are taking inbound calls, you know, those centers are set up for those specific functions. So if you're, if you're at home, you're not going to get the same, you're not going to get the same infrastructure and the same support and the same capabilities. Um, So, like I said, and again, you know, most people said we were able to do that when the global pandemic hit and we couldn't come to the office and so let's find ways to encourage people to come back, right? It's a lot, it's a lot better to encourage, you know, three kids and maybe a few gray hairs on my head somewhere. And <laughs> certainly a lot of wrinkles from it is, you know, encouraging my kids to do to do something was a lot easier than telling them. Um, telling them usually didn't work for me really well. It ended up in me being frustrated and them ignoring me. <laughs> So. so I want to talk a little bit about your leadership style and your personal brand as a leader. And I would be remiss if I didn't include your office, which is right in back of you that I can <laughs> see. So um, talk to us about, you know, what has, you know, what your leadership style is, maybe what shaped it a little and how you express your brand as well as like, what is it that you want? Um, when I think about when I think about a leader's personal brand, I think about what it is that they want to embody throughout the organization, right? So basically an example that others can learn from. And how do you do that? What is it? How do you do it? And then, you know, just days when you just aren't feeling it, how do you help keep yourself in check? <laughs> I, I said that last comment mostly for myself. <laughs> Um, I have a tattoo on my wrist, which is, which is, it's the, it's first Corinthians, first Corinthians, which is love is patient. Right. And, and so maybe that's my first, my first piece, which is, which is sometimes I have to take a step back before I speak. And 
you know, I mentioned earlier that I'm an athlete, that, that I was an athlete, you know, half of my life. And in that is the winning spirit, winning attitude, um, and also the willingness to, to call somebody out as well as be called out by others. And, and so I, I have that still today, right? I still have that, that spirit of win, um, spirit of team. I didn't play individual sports. It wasn't as, it wasn't as interesting to me. Um, but the commitment of, of, I'm going to do my job and nobody's going to have to, nobody's going to have to wonder if I'm going to do my job or not. And if I, if I don't know how to do my job, I'm going to work harder than, than anybody else on the team to learn how to do my job. And I'm going to solicit whatever help I can to do my job well. And so that, that's somewhat of my personality of who I am. The other is if I take a step back is I'm here to serve the people who are part of this organization. My title isn't, my title and people always go, but yeah, you have the title. Cause I was like, titles don't matter. And they're like, yeah, but you have a title. And, and I, I, get, <laughs> I, I get that. But the reality is, is my job is to my, my job and how I judge or give myself a grading score is who wants to be here. Um, who steps up and is willing to be in the fight. Um, I don't have to be the smartest person. I don't have to be the one leading. I have to have the vision. I have to know the mission. I have to state that. Um, but I want people who lift versus lean in the organization. I want people who are smarter, brighter, um, than me being around me who, who are like, I got this, I'm going to go take it. And, you know, in my, I think probably 40, 40 years into my life, I learned sometimes you like, like it's a lot better when you let people just do their jobs and you stop trying to do it for them. Um, trust is an immense resolve to to have um and allowing people to to just go do what they said they were going to go do and so that's i I think those are probably the core pieces right is you know and and success in the organization isn't mine success is the organization success it's the people that are around me who are grinding day in and day out Um, i try and remember on days where i get frustrated by things is to put myself in the shoes of the people that are around me um to stop sometimes and ask a question, hey, how are you? Um, I try and end my calls with, is there anything I can do for you? And it's and that's hard sometimes because I'm like, I just want to get off this call. And if I ask this question, then maybe they're going to give me some homework to go do. Um, I'm not always great at it. Sometimes I jump into the middle of, here's what I need from you today. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> there was a guy named Tracy Angelini who I used to go into his office and one morning he's like, he's like, how are you? He wouldn't answer any of my questions in the morning until like I answer like, how are you today, Jeff? What's going on? How's your family? I'm like, wow. like, I just, I just need the answers, Tracy. Like, come on, let's go. Like, I don't have time for this stuff. And, and so, you know, you learn along the way of people who slow you down and sometimes you have to go slower to go faster. Uh, and what those things are, but um, surround yourself with great people. Surround yourself with people who are willing to to have conflict, healthy conflict, and what that is. Um, understand that there's always, always, no matter how confident you are in your answer, there's always a slim percentage that you're not right. And weigh on that to listen to others who have a different view and a different viewpoint. And, and then find ways, and I think Jeff Bezos says it probably as best as anybody, which is, you know, I disagree, but I commit, is I don't have to agree with somebody else's plan. If, if the plan seems doable, maybe it's not my plan, and maybe I don't agree with it, but I know the person can execute it and I need to give them the opportunity to do that, then 
I can, I can commit to it. Right. And I'm not going to go back and tell somebody, I told you that that wasn't going to work as it's your plan. It's your job. It's your responsibility. I, you know, I told somebody yesterday, I disagree, but I can commit to what you want to go do. Cause I understand where you're coming from. So I wouldn't do it that way, hmm. but I'm going to commit to you based on the responsibility of what I've asked you to do. And so I, I think those are really important. And I don't know, there's, there's probably nobody in a graveyard that probably thinks I should have spent more time at work. Um, and so I think that balance on the personal side is, you know, this is, you know, what we do in leadership roles is really important. It's important to everybody, you know, being able to have a paycheck and to be able to support their families, to grow their careers. I mean, there's there's this length of time that everybody has in work and what they do. But it's also important to show them that, you know, hey, you got to balance work with personal. You got to find the blended way of, of dealing with the world that's out there. And if we don't do that as leaders, you know, I don't live to work. I love I love what I do. Um, Jenna may tell you differently as I do live to work. She's just like, <laughs> you, you operate at a different speed sometimes, but I do it because it, it creates enjoyment, but it also helps me be better in my personal life with the things that I learn in my work life and vice versa. That's great. Um, said, thank you for sharing that. So you gave me a good segue into your, your personal life. Um, I, I did ask you and you graciously agreed to just <laughs> share a little bit about um, your, your marriage. So Jana Schmidt, I also full disclosure will count as count as a friend. She's a client, a friend, a wonderful woman who uh, has been on my podcast before because she's probably one of the most intelligent women I've ever met, full of wisdom. And I, I always refer to you guys as the power couple that just, you know, anyone can look at, right. And say, wow, what a, what a great couple we have there. Um, and it's a lot when you have two CEOs in one household and, you know, it would be interesting, I think for women that are listening in particular, who are, you know, climbing that ladder and trying to figure out that next step, just, you know, over the years, Jeff, I, I know that, um, you've been a professional household for a long time, but you know, how do you guys just make it work? Gosh, um, I think the first thing we would both tell you is neither one of us would work for one another. Um, <laughs> I think at the beginning of COVID, we're like, hey, someday we should actually like, in fact, it was when we were in California living together, you know, we met some people that were like label, they had like labeling and box companies. And she's like, we should go do that together. And I'm like, I'm like, who's, <laughs> who's going to be in charge? Like, that was like the first, like, there's no way one of us is going to like, like, like that's going to work. But in, in seriousness, um, yeah, I think number one is respect for each other's work and profession. Um, you know, Jenna is amazing individual and, and person. And I'm, I think she has bad eyesight because she, <laughs> she, 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 she picked me, which is good. So, or just, she, she was able to, she was able to see past like my flaws, but, um, you know, you mentioned earlier is, you know, we, we do bounce ideas off of one another on an ongoing basis. Um, and I joked with you is that I think it's a lot like my dad and my grandfather or my grandfather would ask him about, 
you know, who's picking for, for the NFL games on the weekend. And my dad said, Hey, how am I doing in your betting? And he says, he says, you're doing terrible, but I bet against you every single week and I win. <laughs> and so I think sometimes Jana asked me like what I would do sometimes, because it gives her like the alternative way of like how to go do things. <laughs> um, it's really interesting. So I, I happened to be last night talking to her about my go-to-market plan and what's going on. Um, she is by far like, I mean, she's on the inside, right? We, we share, we share all the time, right? Personal, professional, kids. Uh, we have three kids. We have six grandkids. Um, our happiest moments are with our kids. My happiest moments are with the kids when they're on baseball diamonds. Um, <laughs> that I mean, that's that's just a fun spot to be. But you interchange and you work together. I mean, we're in Atlanta because of Jana's job. And, you know, the, the story that she won't tell is like, we had a, we had a handshake before we got married that if her job ever asked her to go to Atlanta, there was no way I would miss her. We would stay married, but she could live in Atlanta and I would live in California. Why would I ever <laughs> leave the Mecca of, of the, of, of the, the venture capital boom? And, and oddly she was, she was oddly calm about it. And I woke up the next day and I'm like, gosh, that's really selfish of me you know what, we should look into this. We we should take this as an opportunity. And there were things I had to do on my side to a commitment I had made in California to my current CEO. And the world opened up to us in so mm -hmm. many different ways with friends like you, um, the people that we met in Atlanta. Um, so we made the move. Our kids, our kids ended up coming here. Our kids all live here now. And 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 we had a chance to go back and we were like and she came back she's like hey i got great news we can move back to california and i'm like i would never leave here like i'm having so much fun here the people we've met the friends that we've made um and so i think the ability to see past and and this isn't this isn't for me but to be able to see past those things is this was important to her and i think from not necessarily for your for the female viewers but for male viewers, for people who have spouses who have, maybe it's just, just for, for the person in the relationship that has the career mm -hmm. is sometimes you have to look past your own career and say, Hey, like what's best, what, what are we willing to go do? And what I will say is that, you know, my world has opened up probably a hundred times in opportunities that I would not have had, had I, had I stayed on the West coast and vice versa, Jenna has given just as much to me. Um, she, she allowed me to take on my first, you know, ground up startup, um, where I didn't make a nickel for, I think four and a half years of, of trying to build something <laughs> from scratch. Um, we were able to invest in that. I mean, she's, and she went to work and traveled and, you know, we both traveled during that time, but I mean, she grinded on behalf of giving me an opportunity, which was a huge investment into, to me and who I am today. And, I couldn't ask for a better partner in that. So, you know, partners matter. Um, you know, the people who are in your life who support you and, you know, I'd probably say selfishly, I got more out of it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I probably get more out of it because you said she's smart. She is wicked smart. Um, she's thoughtful. A lot of the, a lot of the people pieces and, and pieces that I picked up have been through list. I, I like to listen to her calls um, when I'm sitting down below and, <laughs> listening in or, and, you know, there's just little pearls of wisdom about her. And when I meet her, the team members that she works with, 
and they talk about her. It's like, gosh, I want, I want people to talk about me like that. Um, and so, I, like I said, there's just, there's some really, you know, goodness that's in there. And when I look at her career, I look at the hurdles, I look at where she came from, you know, Lubbock, Texas, a mom and two sisters. And I think she said a one bedroom apartment and, you know, working to help, you know, make ends meet to where she is today through hard work and determination. Um, you know, I couldn't have a better mentor um, as as a partner in life and what we do. I think that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so as we start to wrap up our conversation today, I wanted to ask you, like, if there were, what are like things that you really want people to remember about our conversation today? Um, you know, just some interesting takeaways. If you were to say, take this away, what would that be? Uh, Jana's, if you have a choice between taking a job with Jana or Jeff, take it with Jana. Um, <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think, and maybe that's, and that's half, maybe that's half honest inside that conversation is, um, I think the, 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 the tenets of what we talked and talked about today is if you, if you think about the industrial revolutions we've been through, they've all been scary. They've always they've always replaced tried and true things that we as human have become used to. They have given an ability to adapt over a period of time to the conversation that you mentioned about your father. It's getting harder to adapt to change mm -hmm. because it's happening so quick. You know, I, I have a digital license on my on my phone today. And there are people like, I don't know what to do with the digital license. And I'm like, but it's Georgia has digital licenses now and it's in my wallet on my Apple phone. I don't care a lot. I don't carry a license. I'm like, I'm hoping if I get pulled, if I get pulled over, like whoever the policeman is or policewoman is that they'll be able to, they'll, they'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> so and Jenna's like, are you going to trust that? I'm like, I have to, like, this is, this is where we're heading to. But if you fear technology, it's still going to happen. Mm the path forward is going to happen. So the question is, is what's the vision of the future that we want as individuals? And let's aim for that because once it's been, once it's out there, it exists. And once it exists, it can be used in any form or any fashion that humans will do with it, what they want, right? Nuclear, Nuclear in just general in quotes, right, has good and bad. But how we put the right rails and, and guardrails around it, make it livable. Some of the worst things from science are also the best things from science. Mm. And as we enter into this is if we fear it, it's not going to stop the progression of things that are happening. So we have to embrace it and say, what was, what's the vision? What are the good things that we want out of this? And then how do we make sure that it doesn't get used as a weapon against us? And that would be my, 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 my first piece on this. The other is I asked this one person who I always thought was a great speaker, uh, really commanded the room, had funny jokes that were woven into three days worth of a meeting. And I said, how do you go do that? And, and I, I said, I really want to learn how to do that. And he said, Jeff, just be you. Don't try and be me. And I think as leaders is just be you, right? Is don't try and 
be your authentic self, be who you are. Um, never stop learning, never stop looking at, at, at ways to improve who you are, but don't compare your leadership to somebody else's leadership. Don't compare yesterday to today, right? Except to say is, Hey, am I, am I, am I 1% better today than I was yesterday? And my objective, and again, I fail at this more times than not is, 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 can I leave people better than when I found them on each interaction, each exchange? And so, you know, don't fear technology. It's, you know, don't fear the future, right? Is is things are going to happen, control what we can, work to get involved, understand it. And then two is just be, be who you are, right? Don't try and be somebody different. And I think that's what's helped me accept myself as I have as many doubts around the table as typically anybody else about not having the college education completed, um, grinding up, not having an MBA, not having a PhD. Like I sit around people and I think, gosh, you're so wicked smart around me. And what I have to do is be comfortable is that experience, the things that I've gone through. And I think the wisdom to know that sometimes I don't have the wisdom and to listen to others um, is just as important. So um, be content with the way that you're made and who you are and work to, to, to make people better that are around you. And if you do that, you'll be a great leader. Well, thank you. Thank you so much um, for sharing your time, your wisdom, the information. Um, Jeff, I really appreciate it. And I do hope that you'll come back. Thanks, Michelle. And happy holidays to you as well. Same and to, you. to Mark and the whole team. Thank you for having thank me. You. Hey, it's Michelle. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoy our podcast and know someone who you believe would make a great guest, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and let's talk. I'd love to hear your feedback. And as always, may it inspire you in your own personal and professional journey of life. Run toward the end.